I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. The drama surrounding Kevin Durant's offseason rolls on. Can he win a title if he returns to Brooklyn? Aaron Rodgers with a little self-love yesterday. Why is he comparing his journey to his backup? And would it be a mistake for Mac Jones not to play in tonight's preseason opener? Good Thursday morning, everyone. Welcome <laughs> to First Things First. Jenna Wolf, Kevin Wilds, Nick Wright. What? Wilds, Nick is just amused by all of this. You hoping to see Mac-10 play tonight? Well, I'm hoping to see him play every day if it was up to me, but a lot of times the elite quarterbacks don't play in the first preseason game. I expect nothing That's different not from happening. Pro Bowler Mac Jones. Oh, so he's right on That's course. That's not what's happening. Right on <laughs> We'll preview tonight's game in a second. We got to start this morning in the NBA. The Kevin Durant sweepstakes took a new turn yesterday. SNY reporting that Durant has two desired landing spots. They are Boston, which we've heard has been in the running, and Philadelphia, which we really hadn't heard mentioned as a real option previously. Just, I mean, trying to wrap my head around KD reuniting with James Harden. Um, Wilds, what do you make of KD's reported interest in the 76ers? Jenna, I was like you. The Harden part of this shocked me. We've seen this movie before. And the fact that Kevin Durant wants to sign up for it again, well, it just left me flabbergasted. It'd be like if Bradley Cooper went to his agent and said, you know what? Let's run the hangover back again. Let's do it again. I know we had a, it was good, and then it got bad. I want to give it one more time. Let's go to a new location. Doesn't make any sense. They gave this a shot. He played 52 games together. Sure. Fine. And then what happened? Harden quit. It wasn't like, you know what, I want to leave. Like, no, I'm just going to straight up quit on your team, KD. I want out. To the point where... When KD had a chance to draft James Harden for the All-Star game, he didn't even want to play with him then. Take a listen. I'm going to need some size for yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm going to need some size and um, <laughs> you know, some defense and, and, and interior. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. with Giannis and LeBron James Without playing question. such great basketball this year. I need somebody to offset that, so I I'm agree. gonna go with uh, Rudy Gobert. I agree. I agree. That, that, I agree. Out, that worked out nicely for you. First of all, <laughs> immaculate comedic timing and presence from Durant there. Yeah. I know he likes to play the troll yes. on Twitter and go after people. 
but just straight face Duran is really funny too. So so if you didn't want to play with Harden didn't want to play with him in Brooklyn. Uh, KD doesn't want to play with him in the All-Star game, and now they want to reunite, and people were in my mentions saying, no, 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 Kevin, they're friends. They went to the Travis Scott concert together. Like, they went okay, to the concert together. I guess, but going to Astro World is very different than going to the city of brotherly love. So I'm shocked by it for a number of reasons, but we'll start with the number one reason being that he's going to want to reunite and join with James Harden again, Nick. All right, we'll talk about the viability of this in a moment. But first, let's talk about what Wilds is discussing here, which is why would he want to join James Harden when Harden aggressively quit on the Nets? Well, given Kevin Durant's current stance on the Nets franchise, he might say, you know what, James? Turns out you were right, buddy. You know what? I At the time, I judged <laughs> you, but win. now I'm right there with you. Like, you know what, that James, you, you, were a, you were a thought leader on the future of this franchise. So that's the first, the way he could get over that. The second thing is, when it comes to the draft, the, the all-star draft, I do think Durant was trying to go for the funniest possible result. I think Durant and LeBron played that perfectly without even talking to each okay. other about it beforehand. So I'm not certain that was about bitterness as much as I do. I have come to... Decide. I think Durant's one of our funniest great athletes ever. I think he is the. I think that bad the take. what he was doing there. Bad it's take. a bad Fun take. Mistake. Oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. He's Make not the list. funniest you know person what I mean? on his Make own team. Sure. Blake Griffin's funnier and Embiid's funnier. So those are the one person on his team and one person. Okay. Well, Embiid's on not on his team. team. I, all right. So. You know what? That's a solid list. I don't know that I agree with you on Embiid. Blake Griffin, very good at the comedy seller, but I also said great athletes. I don't know if Blake Griffin qualifies. Neither here nor there. We can argue about the comedic chops of the other great. Okay, we, again, we're going to get derailed here. Guy jumped over is, I think Durant we're was so leaning far. into. So I think Durant was leaning into the bit in that moment. What I do okay. think we all need to recognize and understand, Wilds, is when it comes to the motivations and the inner thoughts of Kevin Durant, despite him being the most accessible athlete on Twitter, none of us know what drives him. None of us know who his real friends are. How many guys have you heard? Oh, like they're great friends. But I never, ever see Durant doesn't seem to go out to the clubs. If he does, he does a great job of having everyone confiscate phones. I don't know what he does in his daily life that he doesn't show us. And I don't know who his true great friends are. It does not surprise me that Durant would look at the Sixers and say, Embiid's pretty great. I know on the court Harden and I work. Yeah, that, that does, it doesn't surprise me at all that he would look at that from a basketball perspective and say, yeah, we could go win a title. And by the way, no one would be able to accuse me of joining a ready-made champion since this team has made the conference finals one time since Dr. J was on the team. The conference finals one time since Dr. J was on the team. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I understand why it checks those boxes for him. Okay, so... Quickly on the championship-ready 76ers. Mm -hmm. Among the teams that KD has been rumored to go to, 
and I don't subscribe too much to the bus driver, bus rider thing, but I'll, but I'll kick it around. Sure. If he went to the Celtics, I think he becomes the guy, and I think Tatum takes a back seat. Yeah. I just think that way, I think that's his identity. It would be, uh, the, it would be Celtics course. in Durant. I think usage rate would follow. Same with if he went to New Orleans. I think Zion, young, would still learn, and it would be Durant's team. No doubt. If he goes to the Sixers, not only is it the style of play that runs through Embiid, it's also the whole identity of the franchise for a decade, where it's just trust the process. Like, now trust the process is just down to Embiid. He is the process. And he's a guy that wants MVP, who rings the bell, who, who really embodies Philadelphia. So if, even if I'm in Bede and Kevin Durant comes, I'm thinking, I don't know. It feels a little super teamish to me. Like if I'm in Bede, I want to win a championship, but I, but I want to be the guy. Like I want to be finals MVP. Okay. The idea that it could be a Steph Curry situation, I, I think it just, I think it would sit a little bit funny with Embiid. Well, I don't know. I mean, Embiid hasn't been as far in the playoffs as Trey Young has. So I think Embiid, he, I, I understand he wants to win finals MVP, but they have been far away for the entirety of his career, no matter how good we think they should be or should have been. I look at it more as a LeBron to Miami, Miami situation in this regard, Wilds. That was D-Wade's city. That was D-Wade's team. But that was LeBron was the driving force. And even and so you know, they, I mean, Wade County, the whole nine. Nobody doubted D Wade sure. was the most beloved member of that team. He was the guy that had been there all along. But it became LeBron's team. Now, okay. if some would okay. argue, but that's because D LeBron was better than D Wade, and Durant's not better than Embiid at this point. You can I would listen to that argument, except if I'm being totally transparent, and I think most people agree. Come the playoffs. You'd rather have Kevin Durant than Joel Embiid. Obviously, you'd want to have them both. That's what the Sixers sure. would be going for here. But in the playoffs, Durant's more of a sure thing than Embiid. But I'm glad we've spent seven minutes talking about this because I think later in the show, we're going to talk about Kevin Durant going to the Harlem Globetrotters because it's impossible. And this is my real take here, Wilds. <laughs> so can somebody, can Kleiman send KD a text to the trade machine so he understands, buddy, there are certain teams you might want to go to, you can't. You know what Philly doesn't have? Draft picks. You know why? Because they traded them for James Harden. It is the, the single best trade Philly can make is Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Tybel, and second round picks. They do not have a single first round pick that they are allowed to trade. They can give them pick swaps, but they've already do that. that no. It's not happening. You would just be swapping back because they already did some pick swaps with Brooklyn and the Harden thing. It's an impossible trade. And this is what I want to drill down on for a moment, Wilds. Take the 15 projected best teams in basketball. Half of them we can just scratch off the list if Brooklyn wants picks back. Atlanta, Chicago, Denver, the Clippers, the Lakers, Milwaukee, and Philly. They are all out because... I know this will shock Rob Blink and Jeannie Buss, but teams that are trying to win championships trade first-round picks down the road. Denver doesn't have any because they traded them for Aaron Gordon. Like, we, a lot of these teams don't have picks. So who does that leave? Leaves Dallas, Golden State, Memphis, New Orleans, Miami, Phoenix, Toronto, and Boston. But we can scratch some of those off the list. 
Dallas does not have the player to trade. Is there anyone on Dallas that you can be the centerpiece of a Kevin Durant trade other than Luka? Of course not. Miami, we've talked about the BAM issues. I think that can cross them off the list. And because of the DeAndre Ayton just signing, Phoenix gets crossed off the list. Now we're down to five. Five is Golden State, Memphis, New Orleans, Toronto, and Boston. And what you're going to see is, okay, Golden State, doesn't it feel like they've kind of removed themselves from the Kevin Durant sweepstakes? It does to me. Memphis would make sense if, Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't just have knee surgery, and if you're super high on him, but he did, and they're not, so you can cross them off the list. And then there's Toronto, which everyone keeps bringing up. And the issue with Toronto is if Kevin Durant gets traded to the Raptors for Scotty Barnes and Siakam or Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet, it instantly becomes the worst team Durant's been on since he was on the Seattle Supersonics. Toronto seems great, but not once you have to remove those teams. Which leaves you two teams, New Orleans and Boston. There are only two teams in the league, Wilds, that have the assets to trade for Durant, and once trading those assets would still be a contender. There is, to me, not a scenario that exists if you're actually going to put pen to paper and do the trades, where, where any team can come up with a trade that Durant's okay with, that the Nets are okay with, that the team is okay with, other than New Orleans and Boston, which is why that Boston and Brooklyn have been circling around each other. That's where he's going to end up unless they listen to me and send New Orleans like they should. But the, the, it's two teams. So, There's two out of 30 teams that can make this work. So, so now that the pressure to move Durant has been ratcheted up with his ultimatum, why don't you think this has happened yet? Why hasn't Brad Stevens said, all right, the time to strike is now? Or David Griffin said, you know what? I know what our, our old offer was. We want to get this done now. Let's just rip this Band-Aid off. Let's start flirting. Let's actually make this happen. Yep. Why don't you think they've aggressively made a move? So I think on the New Orleans thing, I think it's about courting Durant however they can. I think New Orleans will make the most aggressive move possible if and when they get word Durant would be okay with that trade. I don't think they're going to make that trade for an unhappy, I don't want to be here, Kevin Durant, who then is going to ask out of there potentially. So I think that's less about what the trade would be between front offices and more about can we get Kevin Durant and Willie Green in a room together and can Willie sell Kevin Durant that we can win a title. When it comes to why the Boston trade hasn't happened, it's because both sides are negotiating like, I almost cursed, like jerks. Like, we're going to talk about it later. Sean Marks saying my opening salvo is Tatum and Brown. That makes me not call That's you That's almost like more. a reason. That's like, okay, you're being totally unserious. Agree. Stop it. And then, and the Celtics response being like, I guess we'll give you Jalen Brown and maybe we'll throw in Peyton Pritchard in one pick. Well, that's not enough either. And so I think both, I think the two, they were both on such far extremes and there is no ticking clock that I think, but it's going to be one of those two teams. It would be, it, there is not a trade to be made that works except for to New Orleans or to Boston. And Kevin Durant's going to be playing for one of those two teams this year. The Philly thing would be fun. It'd be overwhelming favorites, but I don't think they can make the deal. I don't know why anyone needs a trade machine. Just bring Nick with you everywhere and run things by him, like constantly. I also Thank would you, love Jenna. Kyrie's take on all this. 
Yep, you're welcome. <laughs> Let's get you ready for tonight's Field of Dreams game on the other side. Watch more First Things First right up. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So, to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash FTF. NetSuite.com slash FTF. NetSuite.com slash FTF. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For this. Major League Baseball returns to the place where dreams come true. You can relive the magic when the Reds take on the Cubs for one game at the Field of Dreams. Coverage begins tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern, over on Fox. Kevin Wilds, you put together a list of your five favorite Field of Dream game things. You want to run them by us this morning, would you? Oh, I will. First up, my beautiful cornfield monitor. Oh, yeah. it's just lovely. But I also have five videos as well. It's not just all about my monitor. Number five, just start at the beginning. The cornfield introductions. Kevin Costner came out walking through the corn. And then next thing you know, emerging like Shoeless Joe himself. Look at, look at Aaron Judge coming through the corn. I absolutely love it. All-time great introduction. Looking forward to see what's in store tonight. Number four, the ninth inning heroics. Top of the ninth, two outs, Yankees down three until gone. Aaron Judge makes it a one-run game with his second home run of the night. Judge ends up with five RBIs. Then, after a gallo walk, here comes Stanton. He goes to left, into the corn. Yankees lead by one. Headed into the bottom of the ninth until Tim Anderson ends it. Joe Buck on the call. Take a listen. Anderson. Hits it in the Number three, new oldish uniforms. The Cubs will be wearing their throwbacks from 1927. 
the adorable Bears from that 1914 season. I might get that Cubs hat, even though I don't really like the Cubs. You're like, I thought you liked the Red Sox. Well, well, yeah, but I also love Bears. Meanwhile, the Reds will be wearing the their throwbacks from the 19-teens. Nice pinstripe action. You know, during the teens, you know what my favorite player was? Buck Herzog. When I was a little boy, I used to watch Buck Herzog in 1919. And then uh, the announcing team was into it, too. Hey, Charlie and Witt, if you ever like Wilds, I don't know, are, would you be into, into wearing a vest or suspenders or a uh, hat from Newsies? The answer is definitively yes. I will wear that every other day if you need me to. I love an old-timey look. Number two, the scoreboard in the scenery. Now, look. Anytime I played recreation basketball and the score is being done with those little vinyl scores, it's never right. But baseball is wonderful when the score is being done by hand. Shout out to Fenway Park. The other thing I like about the scoreboard and the scenery overall, it's just a beautiful, beautiful game. Little bonus here, you got beautiful daytime scenics. Coverage starts at 6, game starts at 7. Meanwhile, as it transitions into night, it's like you get two scenics for the price of one. It's just beautiful. And finally, my number one favorite thing, Nick Wright. You knew I was going to make this about the Red Sox. This wonderful promo from A-Rod and Big Poppy. Take a listen. Poppy, we need to go the distance. Would you play a little cash with me? Oh, you want to have a cash with me? Hell to the no. You're still a Yankee. I'm a Red Sox. That would never happen, son. See you when I see you. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Coverage begins at 6, Nick. I am looking forward to it. Also, rooting for the Cubs since I'm now buying that Cubs hat. Oh, well, that's good, and they're one of your seven favorite baseball teams. Also, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, in that promo, there was a nice little dichotomy between... The Red Sox Yankees on are you do you want to play catch or do you want to have a catch guy? That's like a uh, regional yes. thing. David Ortiz there said have a catch. I'm not a have a catch guy. Uh, A-Rod said play catch. Of course the phrase is play catch. The have a catch thing I've never understood. Also, fun fact, if you're watching this game, you're like, man, I can't imagine what it'd be like to actually play on the field of Dreams Field. Unbelievably, you can do it without practicing your whole life to make the majors. You can rent out that house and rent the field for you and your kids, you and your friends, you and your beer league softball team. I don't know if they'll let you drink on the field, but you could bring the players, maybe sneak a few beers on. Either way, <laughs> point is this, unbelievably, that's Logistics. open to the public like 361 days a year, except for the four days that's surrounding great. this game. You can, you can sleep in the house, awesome. play on the baseball field for a few hundred bucks, it's pretty sweet. So, yeah, I can't wait to watch. It was the best game of the year last year, Jenna. The best baseball game of the year last year oh, without was a this doubt. game. This without one. a doubt. It was unbelievable. It really was. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's run the no huddle. Interesting <laughs> stuff out of Packers camp yesterday. Aaron Rodgers was asked about the guy waiting in the wings, backup quarterback Jordan Love. 
And if he's under as much pressure as Rodgers was when Rodgers was sitting behind Brett Favre. Take a listen to what the MVP had to say. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, I think there's always pressure on a first-round pick. Uh, the tracks are looking more similar by the day. You know, him being in his third year and me waiting behind Brett for three years. Something clicks in at some point, and the game slows down, and you and you make the plays that you know you're capable of making. And I look forward to watching him on Friday and and uh, and against the Saints as well. But the most important thing for a quarterback is that confidence and. The confidence comes from the consistency and the fundamentals and making plays in practice and feeling good about the offense and, and all the things that are expected of you. But, you know, I think all of us come along at our own pace. I needed, you know, the years to get to where I was at. And whether the criticism was equal in 05 and 06 and 07 for me as it was for him, I don't know. You know, some of that uh, you kind of move past as you've had success. but. Um, but I'm excited for him uh, this preseason. I think he's had a really nice camp, made some good throws, more consistent with his fundamentals, and, and I, I hope he goes out and balls out. Wow, a much more mellow Aaron Rodgers. I wonder what did that know, to him. Right? We are joined now by a guy who sits behind no man, former NFL head coach <laughs> Eric Mangini gets you in a second. Coach, Nick, are you surprised Rodgers is comparing love to himself? like self-love you know what i'm not gonna be surprised by anything aaron Rodgers does or says well you know what i am gonna do start looking up flights to peru who's with me aaron Rodgers, just a walking oh, billboard for the powers of ayahuasca my god what a changed man what a kind i mean that was that was 90 seconds of impromptu just kindness i love it i could use all these wilds as the be kind sign behind his screen that's not gonna be enough for me i might need a chemical recalibration in my brain. So, Coach, you, you're with me on that, I'm sure. In the offseason, take a trip down to Peru <laughs> and check it out. I'm proud of Aaron there. Good job. Let me make one football point here quickly. Sneaky, really important preseason for Jordan Love, Coach. He got to play a couple times last year. It didn't go great. Now, granted, one of those games was against a defense that was setting records for, I think, their performance okay. between weeks 8 and 13, absent a bye, <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs. So you don't want to hold that much against him. Uh, but then he got another the chance way. in the second half of week 17 against, I think it was Detroit, and he didn't look great. Jordan Love's got to put, I know it's just the preseason, but he's got to put a few quality reps on tape for his own sake. He's not going to be, it's not going to be a Brett to Aaron, Aaron to Love uh, handoff. But if he wants, you know, to be have the ability to actually ever give NFL handoffs as a starting quarterback, he needs to put some good stuff on tape. So this is an important month for him. But I'm just impressed by Aaron Rodgers' kindness and love and all of the above. You know, I, I would get on that flight to Peru and, and search out some ayahuasca with you if it came with $150 million guaranteed over the next three years. I think... I think the $150 million guaranteed might have helped with his zen. I think that might have been a little oh, bit more than the, than the you know, uh, psychotropic or whatever drugs that, that he took. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And, and in terms of his assessment, that was a fairly tepid evaluation. It looked like he was searching for ways to find nice things about 
about Jordan Love. You know, everybody comes along at its own pace and work on the fundamentals. Really excited he, if he can ball out. I, I, not not the most enthusiastic endorsement uh, of a guy, and I don't think their tracks are, are really the, the same at all. I mean, Jordan Love is going into his third year, and, and Aaron did sit three years, but then Green Bay was ready to move on from, from Brett Favre. There's no... There was no thought of, of moving on from from Aaron Rodgers a, at all, so it's different. And and I think Jordan's evaluation overall, where they're excited that he's having a good practice, isn't necessarily the best sign in the world either. You should, as a first round draft pick in your third training camp, be having really really good practices, and and to be excited about one, uh, not not a. Uh, not going to elate the Green Bay fans. Debbie Downer, coach. Coach does need some ayahuasca. Yeah, I mean, open up your heart. I don't know if it's Debbie Downer or just, you know, a little bit of realism. Just keeping it real. Uh, okay. Yeah, Ron, Ronnie, Ronnie Realist. Okay. <laughs> um, real. So I'm oh, not going to focus on Jordan Love. I want to talk about Roger's response to the question. And, Coach, we're going to play a little game called Do You Buy This At All or No? So here we go. Okay. I buy that the that Aaron Rodgers is not going to get figure out any defenses any better. I buy that Aaron Rodgers' arm is not going to get any stronger or the schemes are going to get different. I also buy... That the thing to get Aaron Rodgers over the hump and into the Super Bowl is something he has to unlock in a mindset. That the reason that he plays so great in the regular season and different in the postseason has something to do with the way he approaches the game. And he has come into this year, if you if you did my homework assignment and listening to the two and a half hour Ayahuasca podcast, also you have to listen to the Pardon My Take podcast, but he does seem calmer. He referred himself as like the calmer, gentler. He seems relaxed. He seems confident. When he was asked what was motivating him, he said, quote, love probably, not Jordan Love, just love in general. So he does seem like a different quarterback. So now, do you buy this idea that Aaron Rodgers with a different mindset can go deeper into the playoffs? Well, there's not that much deeper that he can go in, into the playoffs, and, and I I don't know if it's that radically different a mindset. I think his mindset over the past two years to to win the MVP that's a pretty good mindset. Let, let's let's keep that mindset, and and to, to to continue on the playoffs, you know, there's a collective element to it as well. It, it's it's not just him, but to have back to back MVPs, I would think that most human beings, most quarterbacks, most players would love to, to be able to achieve something like that. So I would say his mindset has been pretty good. And maybe there's something to be said for the fact that Green Bay drafted Jordan Love. Maybe that helped motivate him. Maybe having someone behind him Ooh. and pushing him has been a good thing. And now the contract, no threat of, of, of any type of, of pressure from, from below. Let's see how he reacts in, in this situation. Huh. When pressed, Coach still said, still the contract, still $150 million. Let's talk some Colts. They open the preseason Saturday night against the Bills. And according to head coach Brent Wright, 
New quarterback Matt Ryan will play up to a quarter in the opener. Nick, the AFC South seems to be up for grabs. Are people sleeping on Matty Ryan and the Colts? Oh, I think so. And, and Wild, you know who doesn't get enough credit? So he criticized all the time, and absolutely, when you really drill down on the data, should get a hell of a lot more credit. Me. Because when it comes to pointing out the fraud teams across sports, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone better than me. Sniffed out the Clippers, sniffed out the Nets. Oh, what about the NFL, Nick? Remember last year when the nobody, oh, the Colts, that's the team no one wants to play. And your old buddy Nick Wright was like, well, that's good because they're the team no one's going to have to play because Carson Wentz will melt down in the biggest spots imaginable. And then they didn't even make the playoffs. So I have been one to tell you when the Colts are all smoke or all sizzle and no steak. That is not the case this year. This year, this Colts team should jump out to a great early record. They get the Titans twice in the first six to seven weeks of the season when the Titans are still going to be working on things, especially now that they don't have A.J. Brown. The Titans also still have the looming hangover of their, oh, look at that schedule, coach. Start with the Texans and then the Frisky Jags. End with the Giants and then the Texans. You love that start. You love that end. You love that you get the NFC East. And who is the competition in the AFC South other than the Frisky Jags? The Titans. You know what the Titans have to deal with every single week? Coming into work and being like, yeah, we were the one seed last year and we blew a game because our starting franchise quarterback could not make a single play for us. And he's still our starting franchise quarterback. You know what the Colts get to do? They get to say, we were, a, we were the team no one wanted to play. We had excellent defense to Forrest Buckner uh, and the Maniac. You got Jonathan Taylor, great O-line. And what screwed us? Our quarterback. Well, he's gone. Matt Ryan's in. So, yeah, I think the Colts are going to be in. Con- I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think they will be given the schedule in contention for the one seed, Coach. Yeah, I think they are a legitimate, they are a playoff lock and a going to be the team this year that so many people pretended they were last year. Wow, okay. So I am a sucker for a good mic'd up segment. And the Colts had Matt Ryan mic'd up. And I'm like, well, looks like they're going to the playoffs. Anytime the quarterback's like, let's go, let's go, let's go, like aggressively, like, come on, come on, come on. I'm like, well, that's good leadership right there. Now, now what the play calling is going to be, I have no idea. But coach, I love an aggressive quarterback getting guys to the line. Here's who else I love. Oh, talk about who is right. Talk about who is, you know, who should be drafted in the first round if you want to start running back that you didn't listen to be like, no, 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 we like Clyde Edwards Alaire. Okay, have fun with that because guess who won the rushing, rushing title last year? Oh, Wisconsin's Jonathan Taylor. Dig up the tape. I said that two years ago. 1,800 yards, 18 touchdowns. And here's why I think he's going to be better. Obviously, the offensive line is good. 40 catches for 360 yards. Now, the knock. Out of, when he was coming out of school was, you know, he doesn't catch the ball that much. I think he's gotten better each year. So this is all I'm asking for, Coach. To go from 40 and 360 to maybe 60 catches? Can you get 70 catches? Najee Harris had 74 catches for 460 yards. Fournette had almost 70 catches. Those guys aren't like amazing. Like, just th- those are your peers. You can do that. 
So still another great year on the ground, a bunch of touchdowns and more receptions for Jonathan Taylor, another rushing title. I'm sorry, Derrick Henry, you had a great run. You're still the king, but your reign is over. New king in town. Go Badgers, Jonathan Taylor. Look, I, I, I love that Nick has adopted the Mac Jones mantra of me and I. I think that's that's excellent. Uh, but but in, in terms of, of the Colts, I love I love Matt Ryan as well. I, I, I really think that the character that he brings the team is is significant. I think it's going to have an impact, but his numbers were very similar to Carson Wentz. They were actually a little bit worse last year. The question I have is what's the effect of losing Matt Eberflus and, and having a new defensive scheme? And then with Jonathan Taylor, there's a lot of there's a lot of tread. They used him a ton last year. What was it 330 carries? Some crazy number of of, yeah. of touches. That He's that young, wears on backs. And where are they getting the the extra explosiveness from from the receiving core? So so there's things that they got to work through. And the last thing I'll say is, don't sleep on the Titans either. Everybody every year talks about oh, how they're going to be no good, and suddenly they're pretty good. Yeah. Listen, I know Vrabel's your guy, and Vrabel has done an excellent job, but I am not, I'm not sleeping on the Titans. I'm comatose on the Titans. Titans staring at a third-place finish in the AFC South thanks to those Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, man, I was going to make a Wilds Wisconsin joke. They rolled it on me. America, Wilds didn't go to Wisconsin. It's stolen valor. Stolen college valor. Go ahead. That's Jenna. the joke? My wife went That was there. the joke. Yeah. It's not a joke. That's just Coach, something mean thank to you so break. much. Appreciate you not having to pat yourself on the back like everyone else on this segment did. Uh, can we talk some KD? Can he win a title in Brooklyn if he ends up staying in Brooklyn? That's next. First and first. Back to the NBA now running the fast break. Here we go. Report out from the Boston Globe yesterday that when KD trade talks started between the Nets and Celtics, Brooklyn started by asking for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Shooting for the moon with that one. Nick, what'd you make of the demand? It, 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 it's sign of a poorly run franchise. Like, if you're Sean Marks, don't even make the phone call or don't take the phone call. It's <laughs> stupid. Like, I, this is, I, I understand that in a negotiation, you should ask for more in your opening salvo than you plan to land on. But that doesn't mean if you're going into your boss's office for contract negotiations and you make 70 grand and you're hoping to get to 85, should you ask for 100? Sure. Should you ask for 1.4 million? No. Yeah, actually, they might end it right there. You know what? We're too far apart. And so I just, Wilds, I think it's Why do I a, a sign of an unserious leader. Like it's just, it's. Daryl Morey once upon a time caught a lot of flack because when it looked like the Mavericks post-championship were starting a rebuild, he called Mark Cuban and asked him any interest in trading Dirk, and Cuban got super angry, and I think that there's still a I don't know if there's still a grudge there, but I know there was for quite some time. This is worse than that. Like, what, what I would feel like if I were Danny... I'm sorry, not Danny Ainge. Pardon me, Jen. If I were Brad Stevens... You're just wasting my time. Like, I'm busy. I got things to do. Like, what are we doing here? And so, I, I think it's I think it's just really dumb. I think it's really dumb. I, I, I think everything you said was fair, especially the Danny Ainge part that sent Jenna's heart aflutter. 
Oh, Danny Ainge. We, speaking of, <laughs> Danny Ainge is holding up the Donovan Mitchell trade. Let's make a move here. Um, here's the other yeah, angle baby. of this, Jenna. And Nick, you brought this up the first time the Jalen Brown trade was discussed when Jalen tweeted, shaking my head, that once again he was in trade talks. And I had the opinion that, hey man, if you're being traded for one of the best players of all time, it's pretty much a compliment. But you brought up a good point. Like, not when it's like, oh, it's Tatum and Brown? Like, well, no, 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 never, never. We're never going to let go of Tatum. Well, but Jalen Brown, yeah, of course. I I think that eats away and erodes at the chemistry of the Celtics, which is another reason why I think this was a, a silly offer. But also, the Celtics need to tread lightly with Jalen if it doesn't get this done. They, they better do something to get back in his good graces. Because if it doesn't happen, he needs to be all in, and the Celtics need to prove that they're all in on him. Also, as evidenced by the next story Jenna's about to bring up, I feel like there it might be possible that our beloved Chris Broussard is consulting front offices across the league. Because Bruce, so this would absolutely be Broussard's. Oh, oh, you want Kevin Durant? Give me Tatum and Brown. And speaking of our beloved Chris Broussard on takes that I totally disagree with, Jenna, what are we talking about next? Another thing that could have come straight from the mouth from our dear friend. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, exactly. Brooklyn's still not giving up yeah. on the idea of KD showing up to camp. The camp in Brooklyn. Oh, boy. Trying to just sort this whole mess out. One former Nets executive said yesterday, quote, the roster is probably the best that Kevin Durant has had since he got there. Um, Wilds, I'll ask you this. Can Durant win a title if he just stays in Brooklyn? Although I can't see that happening now. Look, if you're playing with video game players, then probably you could. But you're not. And there's real emotions involved. And buried in one of the Kevin Durant articles yesterday was this little factoid from the New York Post. And this had been whispered about, but this is the first time I've really seen it in print. Kevin Durant's Nets issues run much deeper than Steve Nash. Durant, among other things, was not consulted on Nets firing of assistant coach and director of player development, Adam Harrington, when the season ended, the source believes. There are simple things that erode a relationship. You fired someone he was close to and didn't have a conversation about it, the source said. Now, Adam Harrington, was with KD in Oklahoma City, was his personal trainer, was shooting coach, came to Brooklyn, and then I guess was just let go. So again, Sean Marks, uh, we're only only into the second story of this segment, and it looks like another bad move from you. And he's like, well, maybe it's Steve Nash. Well, okay, I think Sean Marks is still consulted on that stuff. If you're making moves on your roster that are going to upset the star player out of common courtesy and uh you know hr give a guy a heads up let kevin durant know you know what this thing with adam harrington isn't really working with us but if the fact that he was blindsided by it there's a reason that he's upset and i think we're we're learning more of it it's not necessarily nash's out of bounds plays yeah listen it's an absurdity with respect to adam harrington you know why Adam Harrington was hired? Because Kevin Durant wanted him hired. Doesn't mean he's not qualified. Doesn't mean he didn't do a good job. But the, the same reason they were after Royale Ivy and all these guys that had KD connections. To fire him at all 
is ridiculous. Well, as long as Katie's there, Katie, a guy you brought on because Katie wanted him, should be there. I, Wilds, I, you, you know this. If the audience doesn't, I do a podcast in addition to the show called What's Right with Nick Wright. My co-host is my son. Now, do I think he does a very good job? I do. Do I also think Easy. he got that gig in part because of me? I do. And if all of a sudden he came upstairs, was like they fired me, like they fired you. Like, yeah, they say I don't project my voice well enough on the air. In my head, I'd be like, well, you don't. But out loud, I'd be like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. That's not what you're here for. You know why you're here for? Because I wanted you here. And if they had done that without giving me a heads up, I'd be quite angry. And I'm not Kevin Durant. So, yeah, I mean, but can I also address the initial anonymous quote here? Ah, the best roster since he's been in Brooklyn. No, it's not. No, it's not. First of all, The best roster over his time in Brooklyn was the one they had when he first got to Brooklyn. That that rotation, Wilds, was, tell me if you think this team could win a title. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris is a sixth man if you want him, Jeff Green when he was still good, Uh, your eighth man is Landry Shamit, your ninth man is Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown was like their second most important player this year. That's what the team turned into. You know what the second best roster they've had since Durant's been there? The one that started the playoffs a year ago, or I guess two years ago, beat Boston in five. I looked it up this morning. KD, Kyrie, and Harden in that series against Boston, between the three of them, averaged 85-21-17. and on 52-45-91 for a playoff series. So that's a pretty good, even if you don't have the depth. Yeah, now we're, now people are trying to sell me the bill of goods that an older Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and TJ Warren and Royce O'Neal is the best roster. Not unless Royce O'Neal's mom is one of the defenders. I don't think he's going to be making big moves for him. So no, I just think the whole thing's silly. Like, of course this isn't the best team. And no, the next year Nets can't win a title because then next year becomes this year. And Jenna, you know, once it's this year, then the next year Nets can't win the title. We know and it's this. always the next year Nets. We know how it works. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then it's next year. Yeah. It's true. It's just true, Jenna. TJ Warren, though, bubble baller. So if TJ Warren pops up. Okay. Okay. All right, Bruce, the ghosts of Brew. I just checked. Royce O'Neal's mom, not actually a defender. So I now we're good on that. We can move on. Let's talk oh, some okay. Rudy Gobert because Tracy McGrady did not hold back when talking about Gobert's lack of offensive prowess in a recent interview. And oh boy, do I say that lightly. Take a listen to this. What the f- are you doing in the offseason, bro? Just straight up. Nothing. Like what are you? What what is your workout? You should have hooks, bro. Shooting yes. free throws. Like I, you should have a floater. Man, I listen. I was move. so mad at Rudy one when they were playing against the Rockets one year, bro. And Chris Paul was guarding him in the post. I was mad as <laughs> he couldn't do nothing, nothing. That's bro, funny. you seven two and a point guard is guarding you. He had no moves. I wish I knew how T Mac <laughs> felt about Rudy Gobert. Um, Nick, what do you, uh, you agree with T-Mac? He's 100% correct. Rudy Gobert has been the exact same player by any metric or eye test for five straight seasons. That's indefensible. 
Like, I understand that Rudy Gobert is a devastating defensive force in the regular season. And trust me, I've, I've done the deep dive on the old invaluable screen assist, a category that was created just to prop up Rudy Gobert's offensive value. But guess what? He was great at the screen assist five years ago. There is not an look whether it's the per 36, his advanced numbers, the traditional numbers, any of them. He's going to take seven or eight shots a game. He's going to do it at about 65% because they're not shots, they're lobs and dunks. And he's going to score about 15 points a night. Do it while rebounding at the same rate and while still defending at an unbelievable level. There's no excuse for that. Like, T Mac Wilds is 100% correct that when you have a massive hole in your game, which is your inability to punish undersized defenders when teams go small against you, to not improve on that when you're a max player in this league, it, it yeah, he should be upset. T Mac is a thousand percent correct. I, I think you're right, and I think T Mac is right. And I used to work with T Mac, and I asked T Mac one time about, we we're just talking about his journey to the league. And it was so meteoric that he was basically playing baseball in high school, went to a camp and left the camp, the number one high school player in America, gets drafted. And he was talking, he's like, yeah, when I got drafted, I didn't know how to shoot. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I just didn't really know how to shoot. So I know that T-Mac is viewed, he's a Hall of Famer now, but in his journey, he learned all of those things. He didn't come ready-made into the league. He learned all of those things, and I think there's an extra frustration when he sees guys who are seven feet tall, who are not putting in the same work that he had to take his game to the next level and next level and next level, year after year after year, when he sees and still considered, you know, a star player, but is never reaching your potential like T-Mac did. All right, Kevin Durant sweepstakes took a new turn yesterday. SNY reporting that Durant has two desired landing spots. They are Boston, which we've heard has been in the running, and Philadelphia, which we really hadn't heard mentioned as a real option previously. Just trying to grasp the concept of Durant reuniting with James Harden and now leaving Kyrie, who we thought he had allegiance to. Now he's going to go back to Harden, who he left, who left him. Wilds, what do you make of KD's reported interest in the Sixers? I'm shocked by it. Sorry, I had to throw all that in I'm there. I'm shocked because I too. don't understand the hierarchy that Kevin Durant is looking for. If he went to the Celtics, he's the guy. I think Tatum would take a step back, and it's Kevin Durant's team as far as identity, as far as usage rate. If he went to the Pelicans and Brandon Ingram was gone. I think, again, that becomes Kevin Durant's team, and Zion plays the second fiddle, and CJ is like the old veteran. If he goes to Philadelphia, Nick, I think that is Embiid's team, and then he has to play the second fiddle, and now Harden is again reduced to being what? A third option? The good old uh, record of success, ball-dominant third option. I think it's weird. And I, it, on the court, it's weird. Identity-wise, it's weird. All of Philadelphia, for since the Sam Henke era, has been trust the process. And trust the process has gone through a lot of iterations. If, you know, People have come and gone. Ben Simmons is now gone. 
The last standing trust the process guy is Embiid, the guy named the process. The idea now that the process would include Kevin Durant, I think is just odd. It's odd for Embiid. It's odd for Kevin Durant. It's odd for the Sixers as an organization. So I was just generally shocked that the Sixers were on his list because I think it's an odd fit for him. And I think it's an odd fit for the team they've got right now. Okay, I don't think it's an odd fit. I, I, I think it's impractical, and we can get to that in a moment. But, Wilds, think about it from this perspective. The entire basketball world, except for me, thought KD, Harden, and Kyrie were such a devastating offensive trio that they were going to crush the world en route to the championship in the 2021 season. Well, that was KD, Harden, and Kyrie. You know what's better than that? KD, Harden, and Embiid who doesn't have the redundancy with Harden and KD that Kyrie does and fills in all of the defensive blanks anyone could ever ask for. On the court, it makes a ton of sense, which is why I think KD would be interested in it. Because here's the other thing. I don't know Kevin Durant's personal relationships, right? Like, the, the one person that we seem to know he's close with is Rich Kleiman, but I was watching a playoff game this year where Rich Kleiman had to like wave him down after the game to try to get his attention to shake his hand. I was like, well, that's weird. Like, I don't even know who he's friends with, to be totally candid with you. He's friends with Kyrie. He is. He's good friends with Harden. I, I don't know. Here's what I do know. You know who cares a lot about whose team it is? Us in the media. You know who doesn't seem to care that much about that narrative? Kevin Durant. I don't think he left the Warriors because it wasn't his team. I think, well, I think Embiid wants to win. I, I no, I think Embiid cares about a lot of things, but I think Embiid wants to win, and I think Embiid understands he's never been close. I, I mean, people talk about, oh my goodness, if Kawhi's shot doesn't go in, if Kawhi's shot doesn't go in, he gets to overtime of Game Seven of Round Two. That isn't exactly. The Ray Allen, oh, we were this close to winning a title. No, you weren't. You were this close to having five minutes to make round three. Embiid hasn't been as far in the playoffs as Trey Young has. So I think Embiid wants to win basketball games, and Durant would help in that. And I think Durant is not as interested in the media narratives that we are about whose team it is, this, this and that. I think what happened with the Warriors was... It wasn't as fulfilling as he thought, and then the relationship got fractured after the Draymond thing. I don't think it was purely, oh, this is always Steph's town. If that were the case, I don't think he would have... Think about what his original list was. It included uh, Phoenix, where obviously that's, you know, Devin Booker has established himself and Chris Paul's established himself. I think Durant Wilds is looking at this purely through the prism of where can I best win a championship because I don't believe I can do it in Brooklyn because he doesn't trust the, the direction of the franchise. So I, I, I disagree with that to the point where I'm not 100% sure that winning a championship is in the forefront of Kevin Durant's mind. Really? And it, it's not because, oh, you don't, you don't think he's interested in winning. Well, no, this, uh, hold on a second. It's not because he's like, I need to go to a championship ready team. I think when you're as good as Kevin Durant, you think you can win a championship with a lot of teams. I think he can he looks at 
several teams. You're like, you know what? If you add me to that team, I can I can win. So there's got to be so other factors. Do I think he can win with the Celtics? Yes. Do I think he can win with the Sixers? Yes. Do I think he can win with the Pelicans? Yeah, I think so. Do I think that he could win with the Suns? I do think so. So I'm just saying it's like, well, that's the team I can win a championship. Like, I think there's several teams that he can win a championship, so that's a moot point. Then it's got to be other stuff, whether it's like relationships, whether it's just how much fun he's going to have playing basketball. I think it, that's where like, maybe he's looking for fun on the basketball court, enjoyment on the basketball court. Like he had played with joy with Steph. He like rediscovered his love for basketball, got to another level. I think that could be something, too, who you're playing with is interesting, which is why I thought the Harden stuff was yeah. weird. If he wasn't willing to play with Harden yeah, I, in the All-Star game, it, I thought that was bizarre. Go. Well, listen, the All-Star game, I think KD was kind of leaning into the bit, and it, was, it also had just happened. And also, he might have at the time thought, James, what are you doing? You're leaving a great franchise, but now he also wants to leave the franchise. So maybe he's like, eh, James, kind of a thought leader on that one. But I, don't, I do believe that Kevin Durant is totally confident and how great of a player he is. But I also think he is smart enough to understand that his singular greatness has never been enough for a team to win a championship and honestly not even be that close to winning a championship. The closest he's come to winning a championship, I guess you would argue, is outside of when he was surrounded by the great team in Golden State, was 2012 in Oklahoma City when you had a near-peak Russell Westbrook and even that NBA Finals, they lose 4-1. Wilds might, and I think, who was on his list? The one seed in the West, Phoenix. The one seed in the East, Miami. Once those teams kind of got scratched off, Boston, who just made the Finals, is a team he's interested in. I think Kevin Durant understands I have probably three to five years max of great basketball left, and I want to be back in the NBA Finals. I want to be give myself the best chance possible to win more titles. I do think he really cares about that, which is why he would be interested in Philly. But it is, I, I want America to understand, it is an impossibility for Philly to make this trade given the pr- parameters that Brooklyn has said they want. Yes, they can include Tyrese Maxey, you can include Tybal, and you can include Tobias Harris to make the salaries work. But Philly has no picks, and we know Brooklyn wants picks. Philly has no picks because they already gave their picks to Brooklyn in the James Harden trade. It's why I keep harping on New Orleans and Boston. They are the only teams in the Goldilocks zone of, do we have a young all-star to trade? Yes. Do we have multiple picks to trade? Yes. Once we trade those things, are we still a contender? Yes. That's why I've removed Toronto. Because Toronto sounds good. Trade Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. The problem there is, once you do that, then Kevin Durant looks around and he's like, this is the worst team I've been on since I was a Seattle Supersonic. It's me and Fred Van Vliet and OG. That's not going to work. I don't know when a Kevin Durant trade is happening, Jenna, but I do, I feel totally confident that when it does, it is either to Boston or New Orleans. They are the only two teams that can meet Brooklyn's demands and stay a contending team with Kevin Durant. Feel the dream games tonight on Fox. Check it out. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Have a great day.